Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Great to have you with us here on the GM Shuffle. It's now summertime. It's in full swing. The weather's fantastic. It's a great time for sports as well. We'll get into the NFL topics, including the Washington football team fined with the Colts' approaches when it comes to free agency. Urban Meyer also being fined. And we'll continue our look at different divisions, this time focusing on the NFC South. I'm locked into Wimbledon right now. I've been loving seeing Roger Federer. The guy turns 40 in a month. By the time you listen to this, either he'll have moved down to the semifinals or he'll have been ousted. But it's been great to see Roger. And how about the, the Euros, Mike? Congratulations, Italy is now in the finals after winning on penalties. Yeah, can they beat England? I don't know. But uh, what a game against Spain, though, right? I mean, there was it was remarkable. And uh, I love I love the pictures I saw in Brooklyn, New York, how they were celebrating the little Italy section. It's awesome. You know, soccer is one of those sports that ha- has a great ability to bring people together. It really is. I mean, the countries that come together for it, it's really remarkable how they all engage in it. It's such a you know, it's part of their it's part of the fabric of the country. Yeah, the amount of people will say, oh, I don't watch a whole lot of soccer, but I watch the Euros and I watch the World Cup. Because you're right, that nationalism comes into play. So it'll be really exciting to see if Italy can win. Or like you said, England's been dominant on the other side. In terms of football news, last week we talked at length about Daniel Snyder's wife, Tanya, moving into a co-CEO position with the team. Shortly after, the NFL fined the Washington football team $10 million after an investigation of workplace culture. Per the league statement that money will be used to support organizations committed to character education, anti-bullying, healthy relationships, and related topics. The team will also fund programs directed more broadly at improving the workplace, particularly for women and other underrepresented groups. Buried at the bottom of the release, the league essentially suspended Daniel Snyder. The NFL said as co-CEO Tanya Snyder will assume responsibilities for all day-to-day team operations and represent the club at all league meetings and other league activities for at least the next several months. Dan Snyder will concentrate on a new stadium plan and other matters. You wrote about this, Mike, for The Daily Coach. What has happened with Washington under Daniel Snyder? You know, I think the lesson to learn here, you know, we can all snicker and we can laugh and we can, you know, look how bad, look at Washington, find 10 million. But I think the real lesson to learn here, and and I tried to write about it in The Daily Coach, is how we don't, as as a group of coaches that listen to this pod or executives or whomever fans, we don't associate winning with good culture. We don't associate losing with bad culture. The fact that Daniel Snyder pleaded ignorance to his culture 
when he's got, you know, he's had a 43% winning percentage in his career as an owner of the team. When, you know, he's never really advanced into the playoffs. He's done nothing. And it's always, it's the classic, well, we need a better right guard, or we need a better offensive tackle, or we need a better coach, or we need a better something. No, no, no. You need a better culture. You don't even have a culture. You don't even have a culture. You know, it's like if you become a a head coach in college, I mean, you know, the first thing everybody starts wanting to do is, oh, let's go hit the road and start recruiting. No, let's let's stay at home here and make sure we get the culture right. Because it doesn't matter who we recruit. If we got a shitty culture, we can't win. So let's build a culture first. And I think Washington and so many teams, you know, and I didn't know this in 1984 when Walsh told me we're only competing against eight. I thought he was talking about the quarterbacks. He was talking about teams that have culture. And I think Snyder, you know, he has no idea. I mean, that the idiot punter who was the, his general manager, who I refuse to say his fucking name, because he's, you know, and I worked with him at the Raiders, and he was really one of the, the one of the all timers. I mean, the stories I could tell. Next week, you know, I might have to bring somebody on to tell some of those stories. But the reality of it is, is, is you know, he went out in front of people and said he had a great culture. Can you imagine that? He's standing there lying. I, that's why I used to call him the paid liar because he would just lie all the time. If you walked into his office and said, hey, it's really raining out there. He said, I don't see the rain. You know, it's like, <laughs> and then he's telling about the Washington football team having great culture. And and Snyder, you know, I mean, I think this is a slap on the wrist. I mean, I think he should be suspended for more, but I think this should be a lesson that every owner owns knows. I mean, if you're Jerry Jones and you're watching this and you and you you're only eight games over 500 in the year since 2000, don't you think your culture's worrisome? Yeah, and that's the problem is that it's been bad. It's gotten worse. It's never really gotten on the right track. And it makes us kind of think even more about this move to bring in his wife. It makes it seem even more calculated, Mike. It makes it seem even more cynical that Daniel Snyder knows he's been a mess. Okay, let me bring in my wife to hopefully save me. Take my wife, please, as Henny Youngman would say back in the day. Yeah, I mean, what else is he? I mean, what? I mean, like he's not going to, I mean, he sleeps with the woman. He's not going to know what's going on on a day to day basis. She's not going to ask him. I mean, she's never done this job before. So he's. He's really not out of it. And for him trying to get like he's going to focus on getting a stadium, that's what he's been doing for the last five fucking years. Like he's that's all he's been trying to do is get a stadium. Look, I mean, here's what I don't understand. And perhaps you being an independent uh, arbitrator in this, how can you find the Patriots a million dollars and cost them a first round draft pick for allegedly, allegedly, did I mention the word allegedly? <laughs> allegedly. Uh, pumping up footballs in a game that 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 got their asses kicked because Baltimore was crying to the commission. You know, they pumped their balls. You know, they had a 28 to 14 lead that I guess we pumped the balls and all of a sudden, you know, they lost 35-28. But the reality of it is, is like, seriously, like how can you take a first round pick away from the Patriots for something that they didn't really do that was confirmed they were the information was wrong? and then not take any draft picks away from Washington. Like, how can you do that? Uh, by the way, that's the working tell of your next book, Pumping Balls, My Life In and Out of Football, the Michael Lombardi story. Um, I, I think it's one of those situations, Mike, and listen, I heard this a thousand times from people saying, well, it's not the crime, it's the cover-up. They didn't like the fact that in, the, in people's mind or whatever Goodell said, the Patriots weren't 
uh, acquiescing, whatever that means. I know it's all nonsense, but that was the thought. Yeah, I mean, they can, you know, they got the chalk last. I mean, they can, they can make the story go any way they want to make it go. I mean, we know that, but the reality of it is, is, is like this one here. Like, there's got to be precedent set. Like, oh, you're you're pumping footballs that cost you a one. Meanwhile, you've got cheerleader issues. You've got a culture of toxic toxic culture. That's ten million dollars. Like, like seriously, you don't think the you don't think the first round pick is worth more than ten million dollars? Fine, he's the owner of the team. What impacts him more than losing 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 the ability to build his team? You think ten million dollars? That that's like you know, it's like you could say this all that that that's as Tony would say that tax is going to get passed on. You're going to get taxed. You're going to get taxed, right? You know, there'll be fifty cents added to the parking lots that covers his fee. There'll be a dollar added to the goddamn hot dogs. That covers the fee. You know, like seriously, that's a tax that's going to get passed on to the Washington football fans. Losing a draft choice, that can't get passed on. That can't get ignored. Right. And the number one in today's NFL, it's awfully big currency. That's one way you can build your team is to the draft. How about free agency? Cold GM Chris Bauer had some interesting thoughts on building a successful roster through patience. And not a free agent spending spree, which seems to have been the trend recently. On the Athletic Football Show with Robert Mays, Ballard said, we've got good players out of free agency and we've been successful. We're just not the biggest fans of right out of the gate free agency where you're paying B players A plus money, which is going to affect you down the line. There's a cost to that. And on how it affects the culture, we've done a pretty good job so far keeping the players we wanted to keep in-house. I think we have a really good culture. It's one of accountability. One where they care about each other and where they want to win and do special things. Sometimes fan bases get frustrated by it. They go, no, fine, pay top dollar for the best agent available. Even if it's not worth it, you need to fill that need. And sometimes you do have to overpay. Do you think this approach makes more sense that Chris Ballard is espousing? I think it's the way to go. And, you know, and, and the New England didn't usually had always adhere to this until this year when they basically needed to compensate players because they had not done a good job of refurbishing their team. But for the most part, I think this is dead on. I think anytime you do a free agent contract, you have to ask the question, who does this contract impact? If I give player Y X amount of dollars and I have player Z sitting here on my team and I'm ignoring him and he's done really good, I piss him off. You know, and and this is what happens all through the league. So I think what Ballard's saying is dead on. I think this is how you have to build. You need to build your team through all phases. I mean, recruiting is like shaving. If you don't do it every day, you look like a bump. And so same thing with building teams in, fo- in football. You got to work on the roster every single day. A little here, a little there, free agency. You can't do what Atlanta did when Dimitrov was there, which is just go through the draft or Ted Thompson, just go through. You got to have balance in everything. But if you're going to spend significant money, you want to spend it on guys you want to keep on your team, not guys that you want to pay from somebody else's team. And I think that's that's been that's what we've all learned through this. It's it's easy to go through the shopping aisle hungry and put everything in your cart. You know, it, that's the easy thing to do. But then you're fat and out of shape. <laughs> so you got to have some discipline when you go shopping. Right, and it all sounds good in theory. But what happens when the owner is all over the GM and the coach? And listen, we got to win now. And the fans are restless. I mean, it's that's the real challenge, right? That's where you have to stick to your plan, even though you can hear the cacophony of noise coming from your boss and from your fan base. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's really you've got to have some kind of patience. I mean, it's like, look, you know, you can't you can't. We've got to hit with this. If we trade a one to somebody, then we've got to find a way to find somebody in the fourth round who we think can make the team better. You know, there's just there's offsets to everything you do. And when you give away cap room and you give away money and and you don't give it to younger players who are in the middle of their career who can really enhance. I mean, the, the you know, George Young, the guy, George, general manager of the New York football giants is going to go in the Hall of Fame this year. He say the hungry soldier is the best soldier. Well, the hungry football player is the best football player. And when you reward them and you give them money, you know, it's the, it's the whole reason the process is completely upside down. You basically put no mental toughness into the players. You didn't make them work hard. Then you rewarded them with a ton of money. And now you're blaming them for not being able to rise to the occasion. It's really your fault. Yeah. And ultimately, you've got to have, like you said, patience. And I think not only patience from within, patience to stick to your plan, but patience from the support of others. That's the key is that other people around you are willing to extend that to you. As for Urban Meyer, in his first year as an NFL head coach, He's up to his old college ways. What is this? The Jaguars find $200,000. Urban find $100,000 for violating the NFL's non-contact rule during OTAs. Now, the fines were double what both the Cowboys and Mike McCarthy and the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan were given. Myers' collegiate track record, we can go through it, retired from Ohio State 2019 in the wake of a cover-up of a 2015 domestic abuse incident involving a former assistant. Also caught some heat earlier this season for hiring a former Iowa strength and conditioning coach who had been accused of using racial epithets during his time. Is this just a minor misdemeanor, Mike? Hey, coach got a little overzealous. Hey, I shouldn't have realized non-contact rule, or do you think there's something else here? Well, I, I think Urban's going to learn on the job. I mean, I think, you know, the, the world of college football from, you know, from Florida and Ohio State to the NFL is completely different. And the players are, they're not, they're not, they don't work. They work for them, but they don't work. You know, they're going to turn them in as much as anybody. They're going to turn them in as much as anybody. So if you're going to do stuff on the field, you know, I think you got to be really prepared. And I think he's going to have to win them over with his intelligence, his organization, and his ability to lead them. I think that's ultimately what he's got to do. You know, he's trying to change the culture down there. But I think when you start to do stuff like sign Tim Tebow, you know, and you start to start playing favorites with that, you know, then I think it becomes problematic. I think he's going to have to learn on the job, you know, and he's going to have to show that he is in Hamlet, to be or not to be. Oh, I don't really want to do this anymore. Yes, I'm going to retire. I'm done coaching. He's, he's going to have to show his 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 all commitment. I think one of the things that hurt Coach Parcells late in his career was he never, the players never felt that he was coming back, that it was always iffy, you know? And I think as a leader, you got to be all in. And, and every time Urban's been all in, it's never been good. Yeah, you've got to be invested. And you're right. When he has been all in, he's led himself to burnout. And he has admitted the fact that he's just driven himself too hard and driven those others around him. I know it's it's broad, but people look at Nick Saban and say, okay, greatest college coach of all time was not a success in the NFL. What's going to be the biggest hurdle for Urban Meyer, do you think, when you're going from college to the pros? Well, I think the biggest hurdle is going to be the technology of the game, the, the, the adjustments of the game, how, how how you have to think quickly and how you have to coach the coaches. I mean, he's going to be the head coach. He's got to be able to walk into Joe Cullen's defensive meeting room and say, here's what I think we need to do, or else then he's going to be at the mercy of Joe Cullen. And he's got to be able to walk into Daryl Bevel's offensive meeting room and say, this is what I think should happen. I mean, that's what Nick could do, but Nick needs graduation. Nick's personality was better suited for college because Nick, you know, Nick can coach pro football. He can coach pro players. But Nick's personality in terms of being in total control of everything suits more in college than it does in pro because there's always going to be somebody in pro football to tell you, no, you don't own the team. You own the program in college. 
So I think that's the difference. And I think that their urban's going to have to really do a good job of being a head coach because he is the chief figure out officer. You've got to figure out what to do, how to set up a game plan each week, and how to convince the players the game plan is going to be the one that wins. Managing the other coaches. That'll be a challenge for Urban Meyer moving forward. When we come back, the defending champion Bucks are returning all 22 starters. Does that make them the favorites to win it all again? Our full NFC South breakdown next. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. So the New Orleans Saints, it's a different team now, right? That's right. Last season, 12-4, first overall, made the playoffs. Their first-round pick, Peyton Turner, the defensive end out of Houston. But now, there's no Drew Brees. For years, he has been so identifiable, so indelible when it comes to the Saints. You look at their head coach, Sean Payton, and Drew Brees. And now, you got Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston. Over, under, at 9.5. What are you thinking here, Mike, when it comes to the Saints? You know, I, I think the, the storyline is going to be the quarterback, the quarterback. And I have complete faith that Sean Payton will get his quarterback to play well. I really do. I, I don't see that as, oh, gosh, he can't get the quarterback. You know, what's going to happen? I, I think he'll get the quarterbacks to play well. I think if Sean Payton is honest, he knows he's a corner short. You know, he knows he, he needs a corner. Whether he signs Richard Sherman or not before the season starts, I don't know that. But he knows he needs a corner. And he knows that if he can play it right, he's always run the football effectively. And look, Taysom Hill went in there and threw the ball down the field, made some throws. Whether he can tell the, the turnovers by Winston, we'll see. I like their team. I think the win total at nine and a half is probably I lean towards the under because I think a nine and nine and eight team, it doesn't sound great. But I think there's going to be some rocky up and downs, but I don't think it's going to be all on the quarterback. I think it's going to be the depth and the cap trouble that they've had going into this year because of all the money that they spent in prior years. And the defense now faring with the loss of Quan Alexander and Janoris Jenkins. That's how the football has some question marks, right? No doubt. No doubt. And, you know, they've got to figure that out. You know, and they, they, they've got to find a way. You know, Patrick Robinson, a first-round pick in 2010, still on their roster. 
roster, and you know he's going to be one of their corners. Can he play? I doubt it. You know, and and I think Sean's made it really clear. I think they're they're in every. You know, they brought all the corners in. They're looking. They're kicking the tires on all the corners because at the end of the day, they know they're not going to be good enough at that position. And then it's going to come down to can they rush well enough? You know, and, and Hendrickson gave them a lot of rush last year. Troy Hendrickson, I thought he did a great job for them. You know, Davenport's got to play to a much higher level than he has in the past. And they've got to, you know, and Cameron Jordan's a really good player, but are they going to be good enough on defense? We shall see. Buccaneers last year won the Super Bowl with an 11-5 and record. You and I thought they'd go 10-6, and 9-7. and seven. They superseded that and then went on a tremendous run come playoff time. Over-under win total, 11.5. They're returning all 22 starters. The first Super Bowl winning team to do so since 1979. And Brady, at age 44 when the season starts, I'm not going to be foolish enough to pick against him, Mike. Over under at 11 and a half. I'll take the over. But that means I'm thinking with Brady at 44, a 12 and 5 team. That would be awfully impressive. Yeah, I mean, five losses is, is you know, I think they lose five times. But I, I can't see them losing six, right? I don't think they'll lose six. You know, and, and their depth is pretty good. I mean, you know, they brought everybody back. They added a Tyson, a Tyron kid in the first round to help their defensive line, you know. So if they get some injuries, I mean, if Sue gets hurt or Pierre Paul, you know, they've got some younger players in there, and you know, they, you know, their, their tight end situation is as good. And with Gronk, whether he, I think Gronk will be better this year than he was last year because at least he spent an off season getting ready for it. You know, with their skill players, the key for their team last year was their offensive and defensive line, how they played, and they played so effectively. And then Bowles coaching on defense did a great job. So. I, I I lean towards the over there, AD. I would. I think they're a good team. I don't see them having a bump in the road because knowing Brady, unless the wall happens at 44, which it doesn't appear that that's the case, that it's going to be really hard. That it's going to be hard to beat them six times. Yeah, Joe Tryon, the first round pick you mentioned, though the 2021 first round pick, the defensive end out of Washington, helping that D line. The Panthers at five and eleven. Well, their over under win total is seven and a half. They've got Sam Darnold now, Cam Irving, Morgan Fox. They also drafted J.C. Horn, the quarterback out of South Carolina. But a lot of this, listen, Christian McCaffrey is tremendous. He's got to be healthy and make a huge impact on offense, and that's got to be Sam Darnold. Can he get fixed by Matt Rule? Over under at seven and a half, Mike. I think maybe the over. I think they're around a 500 team, eight and nine. What do you think? I love the over here. I mean, if you go back and look at their season, I mean, they could have won eight, nine games last year. I mean, they had the ball against Kansas City. You know, they've had the ball against New Orleans. They had the ball late in games with a chance to win it. They couldn't do it. You know, they couldn't make plays. Even a Chicago game that they didn't play well in, they had a chance. And this is without McCaffrey. I mean, they get McCaffrey back and and he comes back to go along with, you know, what they need to do offensively. So, you know, I, I like this team. I think that they'll be better as as Rule's second year as a head coach in the NFL. I think he'll improve. I think the defense will, will improve. And last year, they had no one to cover. I mean, Dante Jackson was their only cover guy that they possibly had. And so they, you know, I think they'll be much better on defense. And I think just having, if Darnold doesn't make a stupid decision, three, if they can cut down on those, I think that's going to be critical. And if he does, then, you know, they're going to win. I think they can win nine games. I think they could be nine and eight. Do I think they'd be an eight and nine? Yeah, I do. Do I think they could be 10 and seven? Absolutely. I think they're a good team. That would be a big step up to go from three to five wins better with a different quarterback. As for the Falcons, last season at four and 12, Mike Davis, Barcavis Mingo, the running back, defensive end, respectively. Kyle Pitts, the tight end out of Florida. Over under win total at seven and a half. Now, I'm going to take the under here, Mike. That Julio Jones is gone. Fine, it's not the same Julio Jones he once was. 
But I just don't think the Falcons are a great team. To me, they feel like a 6-11 and team. That's why I'm taking the under. Kyle Pitts, by the way, the tight end. That's the highest tight end ever drafted. Uh, taking the highest, should say, in the draft. And they had a lot of blown leads late in games. Defense really let them down. I'm just not that bullish on Atlanta. Well, I, I think if you don't like them, it's because of their defense, right? I mean, and you're right. I mean, their defense let them down. But they were they were like Carolina. They were in a lot of games they could have won. I mean, they had opportunities. I mean, their big lead on Chicago couldn't close it. You know, I like the over for them. And here's why. I, I think they'll run the football football effectively. Mike Davis is a better back than Todd Gurley was. They actually have a legitimate runner, you know, to go along. They're going to play Cordell Patterson at running back too. I think they'll do a nice job offensively with Arthur Smith. And I think Dean Peace will be able to do some things defensively to help them. Now, I think they lack talent on defense. They've got to get something out of Fowler. They've got to be able to get a, a level of play. Grady Jarrett's got to continue to go and play at a high, high level. They struggle with the cornerback position if they engage in a man-to-man. They'll be a quarters team pretty much most of the year with Dean Peace. But I, I like them. I think that Ryan will play better with this at the offensive line. You know, they got... AD, they've got three number one picks in the offensive line, and they have a third round pick at, at center. So I, I, I think you know if they don't run the ball and control it with their offense, I think this is the kind of team that could be nine and eight. All right, that's good news there for the Atlanta Falcons if that indeed does come to fruition. Isn't much to critique on the Patriots the last few years, but shortcomings at wide receiver have been an issue. Now their number one pick in 2019 wants out. We'll investigate what went wrong next here on the GM Shuffle. Well, the Patriots' number one draft pick in 2019, Nikhil Harry says, you know what? I'm good. I'm out. I don't want to be in New England anymore. His agent, Jamal Tucson, saying the following. For the past several months, I've been working with the Patriots to put a plan in place to allow Nikhil to thrive in New England. Through two seasons, he has 86 targets, which obviously hasn't met the expectations the Patriots and Nikhil had when they drafted a dominant downfield threat who was virtually unstoppable at the point of attack in college. Following numerous conversations with the Patriots, I believe it's time for a fresh start and best for both parties. Once known for their offensive firepower, Pats have struggled in recent years at wide receiver, aside from Julian Edelman, last year led by Jacoby Myers, 729 yards. That was the lowest total by a number one receiver since Ben Coates in 93. And they've drafted just one wide receiver with over 50 career receptions since 2010. That's a decade now. Aaron Dobson, 53, only lasted two years in the NFL. Why has it been such a challenge here, Mike? I know, listen, they've gotten big numbers from their tight end like Gronk, running backs like James White. What is it about wide receivers that haven't found success lately? Well, I mean, look, they, they, they signed Jacoby Myers as a college free agent, and he has success. It, it really is about the kid. I mean, you know, the agent, all the agent's doing is enabling Keneal Harry. I mean, he's making excuses for him. Is because it's up to him to, to you know come in shape, be in shape, be compliant, do the things you have to do. I thought he was going to be a much better pro. I thought he was going to be hard to tackle. I thought the thing that made him an effective player in college was his ability to get the ball in his hands and then run angry, kind of like A.J. Brown does for Tennessee. That's what I thought he was. I never thought he was going to be a vertical, oh, clear the field. He doesn't have that kind of speed. But he needs to get in shape. He needs to dedicate his craft like Jacoby Myers has. Look, they've struggled to get draft receivers. There's no denying that. I mean, part of the problem is, you know, when you have a great quarterback like Brady, it's hard to get young players into the game. Go back to Dan Marino. When Danny Marino was there, he had Duper and Clayton. And, you know, and it was a struggle to get anybody else to come in there and play with those guys. Marino didn't want to throw him the ball. Now they have an opportunity to develop some receivers. We'll see what they can do. But I think, you know, when, when a player wants to get traded, when, look, all they had to do was call Belichick on draft day and offer anything decent, I'm sure he probably would have traded Harry. 
Like the, to me, this is a no news story that the agent's making himself look bad by saying it. Like go and play good. Like shut up and go play good. Like that's all you got to do. Like what you did at Arizona State doesn't count. It doesn't count anymore. You haven't done it on the field. You've dropped too many passes. Like, hold yourself accountable. But what do you want to do? You want to take the path of least resistance. Oh, I want to, I don't want to play here in this playground anymore. I need to go somewhere else. Like, seriously. Like, we're past that. You know, you've had your one day to say your story. Like, you're not, you know, like, who's going to offer anything for you anyway? Based on what? Remember, remember when's the lowest form of conversation, AD. <laughs> Nobody remembers when he was good. There's no doubt about it. He's got questions there. As far as the Patriots are concerned with their wide receivers, I'm not as big on Aguilar as you are. You got Kendrick Bourne in free agency. This is going to be a, you know, a different alchemy here now that Mac Jones is the quarterback. What do you think of Jones, Aguilar, Bourne together? Well, I think, you know, we still haven't seen if Cam Newton's going to lose his job. I think Cam wins the job, but I think Bourne and Aguilar, you know, the Aguilar works his ass off. I mean, he, you know, he's on the jugs every day. Bourne is really a good player too. So look, and I have faith in Josh McDaniels as an offensive coordinator. I think they're going to be really good. I think their offensive line's good. I mean, if there was ever a chance to turn your career around, Keneal Harry, it's right now. You got an opportunity to go out there and compete, beat beat somebody out, beat Jacoby Myers out. He was a free agent in 19. You're a first round pick. He's beating your ass out. Like he's beating your ass out. Like do something about it. Don't cry to your mama. <laughs> um, we'll see what happens with the Pats, but you're right. Nikhil Harry, the trouble with Harry, that story continues. Um, Hard Knocks is a show. Listen, it's hit and miss. Let's be honest. I don't think it's as good as it once was, but now you got America's team. Few owners love the cameras more than Jerry Jones. And that's right. The third time the Cowboys are appearing on the show. If you're into superstition, Teams don't do well after being featured. Of the past 11 teams to appear on the show, only four made the playoffs in their respective season. I don't necessarily need the Cowboys on my TV, Mike. I know there are always uh, lots of pomp and circumstance. You got first-year DC, Dan Quinn. You got Dak returning. Does this matter? Does it help? Does it hurt? Does any of this matter anymore for the Cowboys? I mean, think about it. I mean, Jerry was on it one time with Dave Campo. You know, he went five and eleven. They let they let America look at Dave Campbell as a head coach. And before the end of the season, Jerry was on an airplane at Teaneck Airport hiring Bill Parcells. Okay, everybody, you know, it's like Doctor Rick. Everybody saw Campbell as a head. We all see it. It don't work, right? Then, you know, after Parcells lead, Wade comes in. They go thirteen and three, win the division. Of course, lose the divisional champion. Lose the divisional game. And they go nine and seven after hard knocks. And now he wants to come back and do it again. I mean, part of the problem is, and I have to believe this, you know, when McCarthy heard the news, he had to say to himself, don't I have enough on my fucking plate? Do I need to really deal with these cameras? Because what's the hardest job for any NFL head coach? Managing expectations, right? And when you bring these cameras in, it's hard to manage expectations. It's really hard, you know? And since 2000, the Cowboys, since 2000, the Cowboys are eight games over 500 with only seven playoff appearances in 20 seasons and haven't sniffed an NFC championship game. So, yeah, they're America's team, and yeah, they'll help the ratings, and yeah, Jerry's tremendous PR guy. I mean, he's the best PR guy since P.T. Barnum. But does he is he doing his team a favor by doing this? I, I don't think he's doing McCarthy a favor. I think it really becomes, I mean, do you remember when Herm Edwards was the coach and he was sitting there contemplating, do I play 
do I play Damon Heward or do I play <laughs> Brody Coyle? Like, you're really thinking about this? Like, seriously? And of course, remember Hugh and his meetings, the only guy who made any sense was Freddie Kitchens, you know, and he eventually got a battlefield promotion to the head coach. Like, you better be on your A game or you better be out of the camera. Because when they're coming in there, you, the fans are watching you. They're judging you as the leader. And you better make sure that you're impressing them too. That's another layer you've added to your job. I think it's hard. Yeah, I always wonder how much of this is playing for the cameras as well, right? What is actually artificial? What is genuine? And what is the stuff they leave in the cutting room floor? I always imagine the stuff they actually have is tremendous. There's just only so much they can use. So uh, ultimately, I don't really see the win for the team. I don't either. And why would you let somebody watch Dak Prescott at practice every day? Listen, the Cowboys get enough publicity. Really? Do you need more publicity? Hard Knocks really going to help you that much? I, I don't really get it if I'm the team. Uh, time now for our mailbag questions. The GM Shuffle at gmail.com. You can send us a message on Instagram as well, at the GM Shuffle. This is Sam in Georgia. Hi, guys. Love the show. Wondering your thoughts on the latest ruling that college players can profit off their image and likeness. Personally, while it may seem like a distraction for a young player, I think it can actually benefit guys heading to the NFL so they have exposure to that side of the business. So many times you see guys get overwhelmed by huge paychecks and additional off-field opportunities. Once they make it to the league, it affects their playing. What do you think? You know, I I don't think it's, I, I, I mean, I think this is great for the kids to get some money in their pockets for their likeness and to, and, you know, I don't think it's going to affect it. You know, I, I mean, look, all these guys have Instagram accounts. They do TikTok. I mean, they're out there and the, you must have let them make some money off it. They need the money. I mean, they need the money. I mean, the col- I mean, we need to change the whole system. I mean, we need to change the whole system. I mean, that poor girl that can't go to the Olympics because she had marijuana in her system. Are we serious about this? I mean, it's legal in all the states. Like sometimes I think we need to have an adjustment. And I, I-, I think that it'll work out. What's that guy in Miami? He's going to give every player on the Miami Hurricanes football team $500 if he'll promote his, his gym, his martial arts thing. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, why not, right? Well, that brings us, since you brought up the uh, the sprinter, whatever the hell, the track and field athlete who tested marijuana is not going. How about this story? Baby, they were born to ride. The boss, Bruce Springsteen, and his daughter, Jessica, going to Olympics, going to Tokyo in show jumping. I mean, this is unbelievable. Think of all the stuff Bruce Springsteen has done in his life. And as you know, Mike, all the accomplishments you've had in your life, but you think how proud you are of your sons, what they've done in the NFL, how proud you'll be of your grandkids. Nothing tops the accomplishments of those that are younger than you and your family. So Bruce, who's accomplished everything, I can't imagine how over the moon he must be. His daughter is going to the Olympics. A little equestrian, the show jumping in Tokyo. You know, it's funny. He came back to do Broadway, and then the show's dark from July 17th to August 17th. And I think he probably suspected that, you know, he was going to need to get get his ass over to Japan to see this, <laughs> to be the proud dad that he is. And I mean, I, I tell you, it's remarkable. You see his, you follow all his Twitter stuff. He's proud. Was one son's a fireman. You know, he went, you know, and I mean, it's like he wants his kids to live normal life. And I think a lot of it comes from Patty's ability to kind of integrate that in there. But I mean, it's awesome. I think it's just he's got to be. I mean, it's got to be prouder than any song he could have ever written because he's, you know, he's been able to pay as a legacy. And she's, you know, I, I follow, you know, uh all of it. So I kind of like feel like you know it all. And, 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 you know, I didn't even know it was an Olympic event with the horse jumping. So it's congratulations to her. You know, it's going to be interesting to see though, AD, all this, you know, the problems in all these other countries, you know, we feel like COVID's passed us, but man, it ain't passed a lot of other countries. 
No, they're saying Tokyo might declare a state of emergency. I mean, there's no fans allowed from other countries. Now they might say there may not even be local fans there. And I mean, if you look at the opinion polls, at least the Japanese, they're voting against the games. They're like, this is all about money. This is just the government taking money. The IOC is giving money. NBC wants their money to broadcast. Like the actual fan base, this is people in Japan are not happy with the Olympics coming. And it's it's a little scary as the numbers are rising. It really is. And, and is it really safe? I mean, like Australia is having outbreaks. I mean, we're, we live in this bubble that we we should be thankful that we're able to get the vaccination but some of these other countries that don't have it you know it's disappointing the other thing that the segue you know sopranos con is coming to the harrow's resort and casino here by atlantic city i'm just saying ad you might want to make a trip july 24th and 25th (laughs) it's playing it's happening so this we might have to use the power of of cadence to get us a couple tickets to get in there and and go schmooze around, do a podcast from over there. So I went to the one in the Meadowlands. uh, I think it was, I don't even know what the hell it was now. It was last year, last fall, whatever it was. And it was amazing. And afterwards, like, damn it, I should have gone. I'm like, yeah, so you're right. We cannot miss this opportunity. Because as I told you, just meeting those guys there, and let's be honest, I don't know how much longer Burt Young's got. Like, it was just cool seeing Burt Young. I'm like, this is Rocky, uh, obviously in Rocky and in The Sopranos. And just seeing all the, like Dominic Cianese was amazing. I mean, if you go up to Dominic Cianese at Harrods on July 24th, 25th, and you start quoting Uncle Junior lines to him, all right, we're going to have to get Cadence on this. This sounds like a, uh, an opportunity we cannot refuse. Let's get in this. Sopranos Con is happening again. GM Shuffle needs to be there. Tweet us. Let us know who you want us to meet, who you want us to talk to. I mean, when I was there, Adriana was there. The line, by the way, Mike, the biggest line for anybody, of course, Adriana. Everybody wants to see Adriana. <laughs> and, and, and well, they should. You know, you know, long-term parking. Do you, want, you know, long-term <laughs> parking. You think our car's still at Newark Airport? <laughs> <laughs> we should take a trip there to find out. This has been the GM Shuffle. Uh, Mike's got one of his kids in town, so go hit the beach, man. Enjoy some time with the family, and we'll talk to all of you soon here on the GM Shuffle.